And welcome to Discussions. This is your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier, Little Metallica, Kill Em All There, Seek and Destroy. I liked this so much from last week that I brought it on again for this week. And today we're going to be talking vaccines. Why is this an important subject for you to know about? Because it's a major controversy that is affecting the global community. And very much so in the United States, as the United States is the number one purchaser of vaccines on the planet. And uh, they just so happen to be causing autism. Okay, that is a side effect that many experts are saying is a result of the use of the uh, vaccine uh, uh, to prolong the shelf life of the vaccine. Uh, an additive used called mercury is an example of something put in vaccines that cause detrimental side effects to these developing children, and that is autism. So we welcome today on the show Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny. And it just so happens that I have in studio a guest by the name of Karen Hope, and she is a parent of five children, and three of them happen to have vaccines. In fact, we're going to hear her story, but it just so happens that they were the first three of her children. So Karen brings her story to us today from a parent's standpoint. But Dr. Shen, uh, Sherry Tenpenny, a DO, is an osteopathic medical doctor, board certified, three medical specialties. Widely regarded as the most knowledgeable and outspoken physician on the adverse impact vaccines can have on health. Her emphasis has been with the field of integrative medicine. Her expertise is rapidly gaining exposure, and she has been guest on hundreds of TV and radio programs, including Dr. Oz and the Today Show in Australia. Her articles have been published in 10 languages, and her book, Saying No to Vaccines, has been her bestseller. She's been contributing author to textbook of food and nutrients and disease management. And today she's currently operating a center for conventional and holistic therapy that covers patients in all 50 states and 17 countries. Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center. Next week, we'll have on Christopher Bolin. And Christopher, Christopher and I will shift gears, and we're going into 9-11. That is September 11th, 2001, and the World Trade Centers. He's done a lot of research, and if you've listened to me before, I try to stay neutral. I try to look at the facts, but again, if the fact is causing an adverse effect, then we need to know about it, because we, folks, are the government. Let me repeat that again. We folks, are the government. We'll follow that up on January 24th with author Ryan Walters and Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel, as the two of them teamed together and dug up some incredible dirt, the GD GOP party in that state. We'll close out the month with Barbara Lowe Fisher, co-founder and president of the National Vaccine Information Center. Now we go and we shift gears to Julie Gomez. Julie has been on board now for about a month, and she writes, she's a local student, journalism student, and she contributes a weekly article to the program. And apart from Julie, we have Melissa Lopez, our Hollywood correspondent, and we have Dr. Serena Goldstein. She's a naturopathic doctor based in New York City. So, Bringing to you this week is Julie's piece on just so happens to be autism. And she's written about vaccines. Julie writes to us this week, according to healthychildren.org, autism spectrum disorder, ASD, is a neurologically based disability that affects a child's social skills, communication, and behavior. Many seem to ignore the various forms of autism. 
a different combination of symptoms and characteristics makes up each individual diagnosis, as well as the level of severity, which varies from person to person. One might think of a child who cannot speak, acts out aggressively due to frustration and anger, causing self-harm or harm to others, will never be able to lead normal life and aids a caregiver to complete the simple tasks, such as getting dressed and brushing their teeth. But all through severe forms of autism may seem prevalent. Only about 41.7% of autism spectrum disorder is rated by parents as severe or moderate. Lorna Wing coined the title Autism Spectrum Disorder, passed away in 2014. Wing, a psychologist from the United Kingdom, set out to work researching autism after her daughter was diagnosed. From then on, Wing researched autism and published the books titled Autistic Children, A Guide for Parents and Professionals and the Autistic Spectrum, which could be found in any home or psychologist's office. Up until this point, parents didn't have the resources or funds needed to care for their children and didn't have readily available information that would teach them to parent an autistic child and cope the reality of their new normalcy, which felt anything but normal. The word autism alone carried around a stigma until the past couple of decades. Before, once a child received that label, they'd be ostracized for, by society by being sent off to a mental institution, most often never leaving and being left there until their adult years and eventual death. Schools didn't allow children to enroll if the di- di- diagnosis was attached to their name. Parents even faced accusations and isolation from peers. A veil of ignorance laid on top of a disorder that affects many, about 1% of the world's population. Today, most developed countries have laws placed, such as the No Child Left Behind Act, which restricts discrimination against children for physical or cognitive disabilities. So what causes autism? Because it's on the rise, isn't it, folks? Scientists and psychologists aren't sure. However, there is a substantial amount of evidence stating vaccines do not cause autism. Autism speaks, states, writes, scientists have conducted extensive research over the last two decades to determine whether there is any link between childhood vaccinations and autism. The results of this research is clear. Vaccines do not cause autism. The American Academy of Pediatrics has compiled a comprehensive list of the research. Andrew Wakefield released a paper to the Lancelet, I believe that's a UK publication, suggesting that MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines, may have a link to autism. Based on study of only 12 children whom showed signs of autistic behavior and severe intestinal swelling shortly after receiving the MMR vaccine, his paper started a worldwide scare that still affects us to this day. Even Donald Trump, President of the United States, has publicly announced in debates and tweets his concerns in regards to vaccines. There is no scientific proof that states' vaccines cause autism. In fact, the Lancelet retracted Wakefield's paper after an investigation showed he distorted the data and made fraudulent claims. His medical license was later revoked. Although studies have proven vaccines do not cause autism, there are medications that may. One culprit is valproate, a medicine sometimes taken by mothers with epilepsy. Other likely factors are the older or advanced age of either parent complications during pregnancy or birth, yet the most likely studied factor is genetics. Clara LeJuncher, head of clinical programs at Autism Speaks, wrote about the study conducted on identical uh, fraternal twins. The largest study of ASD ever conducted, California Autism Twin Studies, CATS, C-A-T-S, looked at 192 pair of twins, 32 times, as many participants as Wakefield's study affected by ASD. The study included fraternal and identical twins. Studying both types of twins is important. Identical twins share 100% of the DNA. They occur when a single egg is fertilized and the egg splits of two of forms two zygotes, while fraternal twins occur when two different eggs are fertilized by two different sperm cells, as just like any clinical, excuse me, typical set of siblings, with the exception of being carried to term at the time in the same womb. Thank you, Julie. Studies involving genetics will almost always involve twins. If an outstanding number of identical twins are diagnosed in the same disorder, then a likely cause might be genetics. One may argue that scientists 
could look at family trees, but a disorder like ASD is fairly new. The first diagnosis, diagnosis, that's a simple word, uh, only dates back to the 1930s. There wasn't much known yet about autism or how to diagnose it. As time passed, more information was gathered, patients were observed, and psychologists began to obtain a better understanding of the disorder up until recently. There wasn't much to go by. So Katz discovered when one identical twin developed autism, the chance of the other developing, developing the disorder of 70% was that 70%. More surprisingly, if um, with documented a whooping 35% overlap among fraternal twins. That made sense, too. I think I misread that. 35% of chance of both fraternal twins being affected by ASD compared to 3 to 14% chance of different age siblings being affected by Leeds. Researchers believe that among, excuse me, along with genetics, environmental factors taking place in the womb or during birth may influence the risk of child development developing autism. The research and change in mindset has propelled the field of psychology towards an answer. Foundations and research centers are ongoing in their efforts to determine the root cause of disorder that boggles the minds of many scientists. Okay, And Julie has gone on and resourced and sourced uh, all, all of the documentation. And that will be, will be printed to my website, iantrachier.com, slash articles. That'll be up shortly. So according to healthychildren.org, uh, this, is, this is what Julie has extracted, um, that there is no clear link between vaccines and autism. Okay, that's why it's such a controversy, because I had mentioned to you that there is a link that mercury, which is put in vaccines as a preservative, is causing autism. So we bring on... Uh, Dr. Tenpenny here with us today, and she'll be talking about uh, what she knows about vaccines and a link between autism. And then we are going to invite kindly Karen Hope, who is the mother of five, and we're going to hear her story about how three of her children, who are heavily vaccinated, all developed autism. Thanks for joining Discussions. I am your weekly host, talking to you from the Winwood Radio, excuse me, the Winwood neighborhood of Miami on winwoodradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ian Trottier, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Follow me on Instagram at I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. And please visit my website, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R.com slash radio. That's Ian Trottier. I'll be right back with Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny. Thanks for tuning in.
Okay, and welcome back. Uh, as promised, today I have online with me Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny. Dr. Tenpenny is an osteopathic medical doctor, board certified in three medical specialties. Sherry, are you there? I am. Thank you, Ian. My goodness. Happy day to you. Thank you. Um, so, Sherry, there is a major controversy, and some of my past guests... I've had Dr. Tony Bark, if you're familiar with him. And by the way, uh, Dane Wigington says hello to you. Oh, wonderful. He's a dear friend. <laughs> he's a great guy, right? Yeah, he's, he was a guest a few weeks ago on, on the program. And um, I just love what he's doing. So Tony Bark uh, has been a previous guest on the show. Rachel Ross, if you're familiar with Dr. Rachel Ross. And Wayne Rode has been a guest on the program. And Wayne has written Vaccine Court, which I think you know a lot about, right? Yes, uh uh-huh. So, Sherry, tell us a little bit about what you do. Feel free to give an introduction. And then I wanted to get into um, some vaccine talk with you and some vaccine research and and what you know um, about vaccine. I have a special guest in studio. She's actually a parent, and we'll bring her into the conversation when appropriate. She's actually a parent of five children. The first three happen to have vaccines. But please give us an introduction, Sherry. Sure. Um, As you stated, I'm an osteopathic medical doctor. My first career was being board certified in emergency medicine and the director of an emergency department of a level two trauma center for 12 years. And then in 1996, I opened, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio to open my integrative holistic center for which I'm always proud to say we've had patients from all 50 states and somewhere between 15 and 17 countries that have come to our clinic to get well by going through our programs. Um, In September of 2000, I attended the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C., And I walked away from that meeting saying, how did I not know this? How did I not even know that there was a vaccine controversy going on? I grew up in a chiropractic family, um, had age-appropriate measles, measles, mumps, rubella, and pertussis. Um, None of I wasn't vaccinated as a child. None of my cousins or my cousin's kids or anybody that we knew had any issues with vaccines. So it was a complete enigma to me that there was this big controversy about vaccines. And when I came back from that meeting in September of 2000, I started reading the CDC documents on the general recommendations of vaccination. And I was so appalled by what I read in that document that I kept saying to myself, there must be something more. There must be a little bit more to this. Well, the little bit more to this has consisted now of, of over 17 years of my life and probably... I don't know, I stopped counting at 20,000 hours of time because I spend anywhere from 6 to sometimes 18 hours a day reading, digging through the medical literature and only looking at documents from the mainstream medical journals or from the CDC or from the government websites. I don't get my information from conspiratology.com. I get it directly from the mainstream medical literature because there is so much incriminating evidence that's there that's published in the mainstream stuff. There's no reason to try to make it up. In fact, if you, if you tried to make this up, you really couldn't. <laughs> it's, it, can, it can be so egregious at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for your, your, your dedication and your service. And uh, upholding, upholding uh, I'm assuming that the uh, DO, I, I don't know how it is, uh, the Hippocratic Oath. I know what the Hippocratic Oath is, and, and, and if that applies to you, thank you for upholding it. If, if it doesn't apo- apply to you, then, then thank you for, for just being well, an incredible doctor. I mean, being, yeah. being, a, being a DO, being an osteopathic physician, I mean, we go to four years of college, four years of medical school, a mm-hmm. year of internship, and as many years as required for residency. Mm-hmm. In fact, being a DO is like being an MD plus being uh, an expert in, in muscular skeletal medicine. Thank you. So I always say to like the general public, it's like being an MD plus a chiropractor. You can be as, a, as, a, as an osteopath, you can be like I was, the director of an emergency department, you can be a neurosurgeon, an obstetrician, any sort of subspecialty that you want. So of course it applies to our profession because we're one of the, we're the only medical profession that actually has tenants that we practice by. Wow. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, thank you. Okay, sorry about that, Sherry. Uh, we're a small little independent station in, in Wynwood, um, and so there's uh, there's a, a technical uh, snafus every 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 once in a while. Um, so, 
let me tell you a little bit about what's what 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 I'm doing here, and my program just seems to be catching fire. I mean, it's I've been doing this for about a year, and I'm, I'm originally from San Francisco, so you know a little bit about me. Uh, I, I moved to, to to Miami Beach about four years ago. A good friend of mine, a year ago, said, "Look, Ian, he's from New York. I trust him." I says, "Ian, you've got to get involved in this Zika pesticide debate that was just." boiling down here and i went to uh heeding his advice i went to the city council meeting down in, in miami beach and i'm listening to 300 people basically sherry screaming at the top of their lungs stop spraying this pesticide it's toxic it's a neurotoxin stop spraying that on us we're taxpayers we should have a right and 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 the mayor and his city council members basically getting word from this from the from the governor through the cdc that no we're going to spray this this is what's known to cause the zika virus well that opened my mind because i thought wait there's 300 people in your community and you're refusing to to to, to, to listen to them and you're going to continue spraying this stuff so let me see if let me see if what they're saying has any weight and everything i studied for three months and i was approached by a producer in la to write an article for her website and everything that i everything that i discovered was that there was no link that zika itself caused microcephaly and that and that the pesticide had been banned by the European Union and one of the reasons is because it is a neurotoxin and Puerto Rico had rejected the shipment so since then and inadvertently, and I was telling my story to, to someone who helps run this station, and they said, look, you've got to come on to this. You've got to talk about this on, on our radio program. And so it's it's developed into uh, – I've been doing it for about a year, and I just go deeper and deeper and deeper, and it just grows and it grows and it grows. So what you're doing, doing is incredible. But maybe you can, from a very kind of basic level, Sherry, with your knowledge, can you please describe to listeners – why they need to kind of be interested about how they're vaccinating their kids or how their their kids are being vaccinated, how, what they need to know about this. I think some of the most profound and the easiest way, easiest places to start are with the package inserts. And when you understand what's inside of that package insert and read it carefully, um, you understand what you should not be injecting into your body. I mean, if it's it's bad enough, and I wrote quite a few articles uh, for Truth Kings back on the on the on the Zika disaster, mm. and including what what happened with vaccinating pregnant women prior to them being sprayed with pesticides, and that they had only been vaccinated with the MMR and the pertussis vaccine within several months of when they had gotten pregnant, and so the combination of MMR vaccine a DPT vaccine plus the pesticides, in my opinion, and in the opinion of quite a few others, including officials in South America, that it was this horrible combination that the children who were born with a microcephaly, it actually looked like congenital rubella. So it was a much deeper cycle than what even that you're talking about with the pesticides. Um, so when parents read the package inserts, mm -hmm. and they can look at the ingredients that are in there and think about how upset they were with something being sprayed on them, mm -hmm. how much more upset should they be about things that are being injected into their most precious thing in their life, their children, and the most precious thing in their, in their other life, which is their own body. Because sure. many times we, we seem to ignore the fact that there, how many vaccines are targeted towards adolescents and adults and how many vaccine-injured adults there are. So hmm. reading the package inserts and looking at the ingredients is very important. To understand that in, as, in 1985, there hmm. were only three vaccines. There was only DPT, MMR, and polio. And since 1991, when they had the huge ramp-up of the vaccination schedule with the hepatitis B at birth, and then chickenpox in 95, and all of those things, now, today, instead of multiple vac instead of a few sh a few injections mm -hmm. of three vaccines mm -hmm. children now get if they get every single vaccine including the vitamin k at birth by the time they're one year of age they will have received 22 doses of vaccines that's absurd by the time they're by the time they start kindergarten at six years of age it will be 37 vaccines what? shots and by the, if they receive every single vaccine, including annual flu shots, by the time they're 18 years of age, they will have received 57 vaccines and 208 antigens injected into their body. 208. This, this is and when there were only three vac if there were only three vaccines by the time they were 18 years of age, they had about 40. So it's gone up by five times in, in, since 1991. 
And so, no. And in addition to that, Ian, I mean, those numbers. If, if those numbers weren't bad enough, by the time kids start mm-hmm. kindergarten, mm-hmm. Uh, they've had 37 shots or drops, 132 vaccine antigens. They've also had 175 micrograms of mercury and 6,925 micrograms of aluminum injected. I mean, that's like... Now, if, that, if, if that isn't enough to make parents stop and say, I think I'm more afraid of what's coming through that needle than measles or pertussis or the flu, I, I, I think they're so brainwashed that it's just like you just can't do anything to crack open their skull. And you personally were never vaccinated. No, and I and I'm you know I'll be sixty in, in May, and I'm 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 really healthy. I never get sick. Wow. I, I really feel uh, attribute it to a lot of my and a lot of stress, and I don't sleep a lot because I work a lot, and and I really believe that part of my health as an adult mm-hmm. is that my immune system worked on time when it was supposed to between the ages of seven and nine to do the age-appropriate infections because those infections that we get it, during that early, those early years of our life are what lock in our immune system's health mm-hmm. and separate uh, you know, our bodies from foreign things that, that come into our environment. So it locks into our long-term health and our long-term immune memory. And what we're doing now by trying to protect our children from every little sniffle and please don't let them get a cough or a cold or the flu or, or God forbid, measles or chicken pox, mm-hmm. we are damaging the human race going forward in perpetuity. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's well, I, it's, so there's there's so many different roads we can we can go down but when when Wayne had come on my program and said hey my two boys were vaccinated and I saw a decline in their progress and then they developed autism and then they're early in their they're now in their early 20s and they can't contribute to society and during that whole process there he had taken he had taken and maybe you can talk a little bit about this he had taken the government to what's called well he take he tried to take the pharmaceutical company to uh, to court because he, because he, he, he lined up all his ducks. He got his studies in road, and he, and 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 the, the 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 federal government says, well, no, you can't take him into a federal court. You got to go to a special specially designed vaccine court, where where the pharmaceutical company wasn't even allowed to represent themselves. Is this is this right? No, it's not right. Okay. And it all came from the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act that was passed and signed into law in 1986 by Reagan, by President Ronald Reagan under somewhat of distress because the pharmaceutical companies were putting pressure on him to saying the cornerstone of our public health policy is vaccination. And if you don't protect us, we're just going to quit making them. Because as we know, in about 2012, the the U.S. Supreme Court ruled vaccines to be unavoidably unsafe. And so they've known this for the whole, from, from the inception, from the smallpox vaccine in 1799, that vaccines cause harm, they do not keep you from getting sick. In fact, many times they cause you to get sick. Yes. And being and so that means they effective does not mean that they protect you. Effective means that you create an antibody, and the antibody does not necessarily keep you from getting sick. So this court was made out of the provision of the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. There were several subdivisions in there. One is the creation of a, a smaller sort of a, what they call it vaccine court, which is really part of the federal court of claims because they created something called a vaccine table, which means each one of the vaccines have specified injuries that you are allowed to make a claim for and a specific period of time with which to make the claim. So, for example, um, if you had the rubella vaccine and developed inflammatory debilitating arthritis, within 42 days of receiving that vaccine, then you could apply to the government for compensation saying, I took one for the team, I took one for the greater good, but I now am chronically ill. But if that developed on day 45 or day 60 or day 90, you're just out of luck because you are now an off-table injury and now you have to fight that from a different perspective in court. Oh my gosh. So it's it's completely manipulated it's completely, um, it, it, was, it was set up to be a, um, uh, a no-fault, non-negotiated, you just file your claim and you get compensation. It's become very adversarial. Um, it's actually a little better now than it used to be. I mean, now they will actually adjudicate your case in less than two years. It used to be up to 10 years, 
And sometimes after going through 10 years, you still would not get any compensation for your injury from this government-mandated vaccine. And that's why you should all, why a choice should always be there. It's not just about informed consent. Because what if you're informed and you choose not to consent, but the government's forcing you to be vaccinated, like they do in West Virginia and Mississippi and California? And these are states that are forcing. They're saying there's here's a list of vaccines that are coming from whatever government body, and they're they're saying, look, you want you want to go to school, you want to step foot on a sidewalk, you want to be you want to be a public a public civilian. Uh, you've got to take these vaccines. Yes, that's absurd. That this is absurd. So Sherry, I've got in guest, or excuse me, I've got in studio a guest, and uh, her name is Karen Hope. I want to introduce her to the conversation because I want to get in also to some of the examples that you've seen in your practice. Now, this person brings a very interesting and special. Uh, symbolic uh, perspective to vaccines and uh, Karen welcome to discussions with uh, with uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Thank you Ian thank you very much. Karen take a moment and describe your mother of five describe to Sherry and I what what happened here your oldest child just describe what's going on here with your family. Yes um, well first of all thank you Thank you, Sherry, for sharing um, for sharing your knowledge. Um, yes, the first the first one to be diagnosed was my oldest son. Um, he must have been probably around three years of age when he got his first assessment. And you know, as every child with autism gets to go through different uh, assessments in order to be diagnosed, um, he must have been probably. Um, 12 months old when he got when he got um, a series of vaccines well previously he was he, you know he was vaccinated since he was like born two months four months six months and how they how they have a schedule like the health system has a schedule for all the babies so this is in Canada sherry yes okay so um, he, he he was talking he was saying words he was developing um, you know like a, any a typical child a typical child yes Um by the time he got the 12 months old uh, shots, there was there was a bit of a change, but the biggest change came when he got the MMR vaccine when he was 18 months. Now, at this point, he got awfully sick. Like, I've never seen my little baby before. He was just sick with fevers and, and horrible diarrheas and just sick, sick as he could be, but... There was no answer from the doctors. Look, it's a normal child. You're the mother. You just need to wipe their nose. <laughs> you know, like, okay, well, thank you. But at this, at this, at this moment, I, I knew there was something that, that, that caused it, that did something to his, to his system because he wasn't, he wasn't like this. Now, the reason why I noticed it was because there was a lot of regression on him. He lost words. He stopped having eye contact. He um, had uh, really big temper tantrums, like um, out of the normal, you know, and um, yeah, I started noticing that other kids would do some things you know have progress in their in their development but not not my son my son was regressing and it was like it was really bad so our second son joined our family and obviously you do the right thing because the doctors <laughs> they bullied you they pretty much bullied you to tell you that you, they put guilt unless you're if you're not a good parent um for not uh, vaccinating your children and you need to do it and you have to do it and so uh, my second son, he got his first set of shots at two months old. Um, then the second set of shots became when he was four months old. Now, this um, this baby at this point, like he got vaccinated probably nine o'clock in the morning, three hours after he wakes up and, you know, it's queuing for nursing and drinking milk. And then suddenly he turns blue. <laughs> He turns blue, he stops breathing, and um, at this point I thought my baby was gone. I thought he was, he was gone. I called 911. Paramedics show up to my house, and they start poking him to measure um, 
his glucose level. They um, they try to give him oxygen, and um, they start asking me all sort of questions and. They said, well, what happened? Did you have anything abnormal happening this morning? And all I said was, like, well, he got his shots this morning. And, well, you know, the, the nurses tell you that any sort of reaction would happen between uh, 15 minutes after the shot. And then these both uh, paramedics look at each other. And, um, like, it was a look that I'll never forget. I'll never forget because they're like, yeah, well, they don't actually really tell you everything. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second, what do you mean? And they're like, well, yeah, doctors don't give you all the information, but, you know, any sort of allergy reaction could happen even 24 hours after the baby got got a, a set of shots. And so when I, when I approach my, my doctor, he's like, oh, there's absolutely no... no um, correlation between this and that and they keep denying and they, they've always denied it and they said it's just genetic and it just happens and this and that so when our third son joined the family um he got shots um now it's very interesting that you mentioned um sherry that um women getting um getting vaccinated while they're pregnant at this time the h1n1 was happening the whole outbreak and they were forcing pretty much everybody to get vaccinated like kids and and pregnant women now my doctor did approach me to say you need to get it like you have to get it like putting so much pressure and mm -hmm. i thought about it i'm like you know if 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 things have happening with my other kids, like nobody's giving me answers, why would I get a shot to my unborn baby that is still developing? And yes, I might get the flu, but I'm gonna make it through. Like I didn't want to put that shot on the on on my unborn baby. Um, so he did get vaccinated after that because I I had I had that. Uh, pressure from from medical doctors and 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 you know, you always try to be. Um, the best parent that you that you can with the information that you have mm -hmm. now i feel cheated that they they don't actually tell you all the consequences and all the secondary reactions because my my point of view as a mother was like do they do any testing in order to see if the the, the immune system of the babies can handle all this stuff that they're putting in the vaccines uh, along with the, with live virus into their system so no one would give me any more answers after after this, um, it was the process. It was a long. It was a long process because every single one of them was getting a diagnosis of, of autism. Now, at this point, you know, if anybody is out there listening, that when you receive that sort of diagnosis, um, they don't really tell you if it's going to get better, if it's going to get worse, if. Sherry, this is, this is, these are three kids, and the first three kids the mother here is being pressured to vaccinate them and against in many regards against her will she she used the word bully three kids and sorry to cut you off karen but i know her history and she has two other children and the, the other two children weren't vaccinated or were mildly vaccinated you can clarify if you like karen uh the the other two don't have Autism, autism. Is this something that you've heard of? Is this resonate with with the cases that you've been involved in, Sherry? This is not an uncommon or rare thing, Ian. This isn't. This isn't just. Oh my goodness! Isn't this an an amazing, horrible story from one parent? I mean, after the vaxxed bus went all across the country oh, and then you know around the world and had over three thousand parents, some of them signing up their triplets who had got become autistic after a, a round of vaccines and did it all within the first 24 hours. I mean, there are tens of thousands of these stories. This is not, sadly, this is not unique. Oh, my gosh. I, this is just absolutely in, in, amazing. Uh, Karen, go ahead and continue. Um, well, as any other as any other parent that would be out there would, would always try to protect their children from you know any sort of disease and try to, to to help them be better when the diagnosis came for the children i i started reading and 
like into every sort of book that I like. There's got to be something because every time it was just antibiotic after antibiotic for every single one of them, and they were just developing ear infections and you know leaky gut and horrible diarrheas and stuff. So if the doctors weren't going to do anything to help me get their health better, other than oh they're just sick children, like well I had to take it on my hands to to help them get better. And unfortunately, a lot of the a lot of the treatments, the diets, and everything it's expensive and and, and pricey for a lot of parents to be able to afford it. But um, so every parent that's out there would try to do their very best. Um, it, it was it was hard at the beginning for for me especially because um, I thought that I was doing the right thing by listening to the doctors and you know they they. <laughs> That you're you're supposed so, to protect. So let, so let me so let me interrupt here a second, because here's the here's the issue, and I hear your pain, and is that and the message that should be to parents listening to this is, this too could be your child, and it's one yes. thing to try to be the very best parent that you have, but when you listen to the doctor without doing your own investigation, what you're doing is being the most e- obedient patient. Mm. It has nothing to do with being a good parent. And it's at this point in time that we need to start taking to task Mm -hmm. the physicians who know nothing about vaccination, who know nothing about the the history, who know nothing about what's on a package insert, the ingredients, the potential side effects. And they are blindly leading the sheep to slaughter of their patients that they have taken a Hippocratic oath and sworn to do no harm and protect. Mm -hmm. So parents need to take some responsibility. They need to do some things like, you know, I use this this example, Ian, when I say if you had an heirloom seven-generation crystal vase that came down from seven generations, it was the most important heirloom in your family, would you play catch with it in the living room? Mm. Why would you potentially play that kind of roulette with your children's immune systems without doing a little bit of investigation to find out what's coming through that needle. And it may sound cliche, Sherry, but the bottom line with many of these doctors is profit. Oh, it's not cliche. We know for a fact it's true. We know what the we know what the vaccination schedule is. We know how much that they bill for each shot. We know that they can also bill for vaccine counseling, which means they badger, browbeat, and bully the parents into submission because if they are a member of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, particularly in the state of Minnesota, but we think it's also true nationwide, is that children in their practice, um, they, they need a 63% compliance rate. And then after that, Every child that is fully vaccinated with 10 va- every dose of 10 vaccines by the time they're two years of age, the doctor gets $400 oh per child gosh. for that as a bonus. So it's about the money. It's not about good health. It's the reason that parents are kicking or that doctors are kicking parents out of their practices because they won't get their quarterly bonuses from the insurance companies. Karen. And so, so, yep. so, so part of the problem is the irresponsibility on the part of physicians because they don't know what they're doing when it comes to vaccines. They memorize the schedule and are blindly following it. Part of the responsibility here is parents, that they need to to not be sheep and take the responsibility of their children's health into their own hands and defend it. Part of it is what you're doing, Ian, is trying to educate and let people know that this is an industry that's all about the money. And that we have terrorized people by fear into believing that measles is worse than death. Absolutely. And so these are all issues that that's why I speak out, why I spend so much of my time, why I've created a course that's called Mastering Vaccine Info. Mm. And if your listeners go to MasteringVaccineInfo.com, they can put their email address in and be on our waiting list for when the course opens again in the spring. Because this is the training program to empower parents to become um, uh, intelligent leaders and activists in their communities because, you know, I, 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 my, my heart reaches out to the, the parent that sure. we have talking. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I missed your name. And I Karen. hear the pain in your voice. And I've had so many of these cases that I can't, I stopped counting decades oh, ago. But it's that, you know, the first couple of children, the parent, and then don't get any vaccines, and then the rest of them do, or that they don't. I had a parent years ago, it was a chiropractor, who told me, he said, I have six children. 
The first three are fully vaccinated. The second three are completely unvaccinated. You could do a study on my family alone because it's like there are two completely different families living in the same house. On their health, the way they interact, their social ability, how they do in school, everything. They are like completely different children, even though they're the same genetics, the same laundry detergent, the same food, the same everything. So this is something that parents need to stand up and be not be victims, yeah. but stand up and be screaming, angry, yeah, right. and, and direct that angry anger into something positive. Absolutely, absolutely. Karen, the you system ha- yeah. did this to your children. They did it to your children. They did. You have a right to be mad about it. They absolutely did. Um, oh, the most of the doctors out there, they won't. They won't accept it. Obviously, they won't because... Why do you care? But... Why do you care if other doctors accept it? You know what the truth is. Why do you care if they know? I, the reason why, it's because it hurts me to see that they saw their parents being bullied and there's nothing being done about that into, into getting them vaccinated and getting the information um, that it's not completely entirely true to them. So, and so what I've been telling people to do is when yeah. they get bullied in a, in a pediatrician's office, is to walk out of, to scoop your child up, your most precious thing in your life, your child, and you scoop that little baby up in your arms and you walk out and pick up, and take your smartphone out of your pocket and you call the state medical board and, and report them for bullying. There are laws against that in every industry, including medical, medical industry. And I think that if there were certain, like if one physician got 10, 15, 20 reports to the state medical board about bullying, they would be investigated. And doctors are terrified of their state medical boards. And I think that these are the types of actions we need to take to take our power back away from the human being standing there in a white coat trying to terrorize you. Right. And that's that's what this that's what Karen, as a parent that's been that that's that's been a victim or the, the she and her and her family have been victim to these to these uh, vaccines. That's what she's got to continue to do. She's got to continue to raise her voice and 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 and, and take these people to task as, as much as she possibly can. Sherry, what about the listener that's in California and the state saying, hey, look, you've got to take these vaccines or else you, you, you can't you can't be a citizen in our state. What does somebody do in that case? Well, unfortunately, California, West Virginia, and Mississippi are suffering the same consequences of, of, yeah, of government of overreach and not caring about the outcome of their decisions. So there, there, are, there are medical exemptions that are available in those three states, and I know some physicians who are using like 23andMe and uh, Ancestry.com and are looking at the genetics mm-hmm. of these children and beca- based on their genetics for some of those children, they're able to write um, exemption letters, medical exemptions, saying that the mm-hmm. impact of the aluminum or the polysorbate 80 or the formaldehyde on this particular child's uh, ge- genetics mm-hmm. far, is far more serious yeah, of, yeah, a, yeah. of a long-term consequence. So there are some ways that you can work at trying to get a medical exemption. But for the rest of your listeners who are in the other 47 states, I mean, there's 18 states mm-hmm. that have what's called a philosophical or a, a personal right exemption. Fortunately, for being in Ohio, we we are a state that has one of those, which means that you look at the risk of the vaccine versus the risk of the illness, and all you have to do is write a simple two- or three-sentence letter that says, um, I am taking exercising my right to refuse mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and exercising my right for my philosophical exemption. In the other 47 states, there's 18 states that have a, a philosophical exemption, and in the remaining of states, they have a religious exemption. I know Florida has a religious right. exemption. Right, okay. And that you can apply for that. Um, you know, sometimes it can be difficult. And, you know, Alan Phillips is an attorney who does all kinds of work in the area of religious exemptions. He's actually written a book about it that you can find on his website or on Amazon on, by, by Al, attorney Alan Phillips. You know, to get, make sure that you have the right language. And in some states, it's more difficult than others. I mean, New York, it's essentially impossible. I mean, in New York might as well just be California, West Virginia, or Mississippi, because getting an exemption in, California, in New York is virtually impossible. 
and I know that I, and I was in charge. I was I had a conversation last week with a gal who's head of the Mississippi Freedom Coalition, mm-hmm. who's trying to get the medical at least the at least the religious exemption back in the state of Mississippi. And she said people in Mississippi are leaving in droves. They because of the and, and that oh Mississippi has the highest autism rate of any state in the union. Oh and my people gosh. are just leaving. They're just leaving. They're just refusing to live under that level of medical tyranny. I'm actually hosting uh, Senator Chris McDaniel, who's um, going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. I, I will address this with him. Abs- oh, my goodness. Um, so, Sherry, what is, in, in your view, what's, what's going on here? It seems, from my perspective, it seems like these pharmaceutical companies are just bent on, I mean, you know, with the Zika thing, and, you know, Zika was the Zika was the biggest scare, and nobody wanted to get bit by a mosquito, and it's just, it's, terrorism exact, is exactly what it is. What is going on with the pharmaceutical, uh, what's, what's the, I mean, is this like a deliberate, I, I'm, I'm going to injure your kid type, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. I mean, on the one hand, um, <clears throat> To me, the whole pharmaceutical, the vaccine sector, the pharmaceutical industry is somewhat like Enron. I mean, you know, we had the, what, the eighth largest company in the country that imploded because of the misdeeds of a handful of people at the top. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the regular people who were just doing their jobs and sitting in their cubicles and going to their kids' soccer, they had no idea the corruption that was happening at the highest end of that company with Enron. I personally believe, I don't have any direct proof of it, but I personally believe that's the way the vaccine industry runs because they can read the studies, they can read the science, they know what's going on just as, just as readily as any of the rest of us do. But because the vaccine industry is the, is the economic loss leader, I mean, it's a, they're anticipating by 2023 of it being a $60 billion sector, oh which is a teeny tiny little sector of about 4% of the $1.2 trillion pharmaceutical industry. Wow. But here's the thing. Yeah. If we injure kids, babies, if we give them all of these vaccines, like what I said, what I said previously, that if we give babies uh, somewhere between birth and one year of age, 22 doses of vaccines and 95 vaccine antigens and 25 micrograms of mercury and almost 5 milligrams or 5,000 micrograms of aluminum by the time they're one year of age. And we damage them at life, at early part of their life with asthma, allergies, eczema, ADD, ADHD, sensory processing disorders, GI gut problems, seizure disorders, on and on and on. We have now created for ourselves a customer for life. And that $1.2 trillion book of business that we have, we've got the answers for you, parent. we got every drug you could possibly need because your child has been injured by these vaccines. Now, do I think that somebody sits on a, in, a, around a board table somewhere, like, contriving that? I would hope not. But given the fact that they fight so hard to pass mandates, to bully, to bully parents, to try to push these vaccines. And there are 213 vaccines, I'm sorry, 230 vaccines in the developmental pipeline right now for the most unbelievable list of things that you can imagine. They know that damaging children in one way or another, and some of them may, be damaged, may have overt damage, some of them may have non-overt damage, but you don't know what happens if you just shaved a few IQ points off of them unknowingly because they got all these vaccines before one year of age. Mm -hmm. You'll never know what the full capacity of your child was if they were completely unvaccinated. And so I would hope that they're not sitting around some boardroom sort of contriving this, but when you look at the numbers and you look at what we're doing to children now, not only in this country, but all over the world, and making them sicker and sicker and sicker. It's and slavery. trying to get more and more vaccines into the, the vaccine schedule at an earlier and earlier age so they can continue to sell them this entire book of business for cancer and autoimmune diseases and neurological problems. Well, it's hard to not go down the path of thinking this is a very sinister thing that just needs to be exposed. Wow. Okay, that was extremely well put, Sherry. Um, we've got a few moments left, and, and, and I'd like to, just because I know that uh, 
you mean a lot to Dane, and and Dane Dane's been on a guest, and 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 I respect Dane incredibly. From your perspective, what? And 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 I'm and I'm just I'm trying to you know I mix in like the barium right, which is another aluminum particle. I mean, for me as an outsider, just kind of studying this stuff and, and exactly what you you said, I'm just trying to get my voice out and and get people educated so that we stand up and start raising our voice for this stuff because we're being manipulated on so many different levels. But one of the things that sticks out here where there's a kind of a, a similarity with the geoengineering and with the vaccines is aluminum. The barium is aluminum particle, and then boom, aluminum pops up again in the vaccines through, i.e., mercury. Do you have any comments on that or on what's happening in the geoengineering uh, arena? I mean, our air is being violated. Well, everything is being violated. I mean, our air is being violated by aluminum particles, and heaven only knows what that is being sprayed on us, what other types of chemicals. <clears throat> our soil is being contaminated by the stuff falling out of the air, plus all the glyphosate-contaminated pesticides that we're spraying on it. Our water has arsenic in it. Um, you know, Sorry, our, yeah. you know the EMFs, and if you look at all the EMFs and the G5 technologies that are coming out that are invading us from every possible perspective, <laughs> even in the home, in the homes that we live in, I mean, it's like if there's an all, whoever the powers that be actually are, it's like there's an all, you know, the depopulation agenda seems to be alive and well on planet Earth. Mm. And if you look <laughs> at the Georgia Guidestones and, <laughs> you know, some of those sorts of things, yeah. it's like... You know, it's hard to not, you know... Go that route. You know, what, what, what is the definition of a... You know, and they, they came up... The CIA came up with this label called conspiracy theorists back in the 60s to negate people's questioning and right. argumenting. Right. And arguing. And so the whole... And what is truly a conspiracy? Because they're... You know, that's a legal term. I mean, you can... People can be charged with conspiracy. Interesting. Well, by definition, what conspiracy is, is that people get together behind closed doors make decisions that impact others, and then deny there was ever a meeting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's the pharmaceutical industry, and for, and for sure, the vaccine industry in a nutshell. Yeah, or, and, and, you know, one of the things that alarmed me when I was looking into this stuff was that uh, Nailed, i.e. Dibrom, interchangeable name, same product, was initially developed by the Chevron Chemical Corporation back in the 50s to kind of snap the synapses of the brain and the mosquito. Uh, and they were, you know, it was, it was an agricultural product, but it has uh, essentially a similar effect, uh, especially on a very, very innocent and undeveloped uh, uh, brain in a, in a child or developing, developing fetus. But that feeds right back to Chevron Chemical Corporation, feeds right back to the Rockefellers and to uh, the petroleum, which is another another form of enslavement, if you will. And what, what I do on my shows is, is petroleum. I mean, you know, we're all slaves to the petroleum industry in, 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 in a large, and not to keep using that term, but, uh, you know, we're, we're dependent on, on, uh, on, on petroleum in, in many ways, many ways of our life. To 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 part ways here, Sherry. To to kind of uh, to kind of close things out for listeners. Would you please? Would you please give uh, some advice or, or some last words? Um, in in your, would you please provide that for listeners? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, as a physician, you know, as a physician, I think that I've seen sort of the gamut of this. You know, I've seen the completely healthy, unvaccinated kids that never get sick. They go to the doctor once a year for their annual school physical in some form that has to be signed off for the soccer team. And I've seen the fully vaccinated kids who are chronically ill with asthma, allergies, ear infections. In fact, ear infections are listed as a side effect on the package inserts. So you start giving pounding these kids at birth. At, at before birth now that we're vaccinating pregnant women wow. right at birth with a vitamin K and a hepatitis B vaccine and then month after month after month more vaccines and then they get sick their immune system shuts down they get ear infections then they start getting antibiotics which means they get gut disruption and then they get the big live virus vaccine of measles mumps rubella and sometimes chickenpox at one year of age and their immune system just can't stand it anymore and it just folds just implodes it just closes down closes up shop takes the brain with it and, it and it leaves. So parents, take your power back. Take it from me, who's a physician. 
Take your power back. Stop just blindly following the other human being standing there in a white coat because that's just another human being. They are not God. They're not God-like, and they are supposed to protect you. And I look at the package insert before you go into those vaccination sessions, which is all a well baby visit is. Memorize one or two of the ingredients on the package insert and go in and say to the physician, do you know what this is? Do you know what the side effects are? And if you don't know what it is, why should you inject it in my baby? Or better yet, ask them, can you name three or four ingredients in this, in this vaccine before you inject it into the baby? Because they won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do it, say, well, if you don't know what's in it, why should I allow that into my two-month-old infant? Take your power back. Take a stand. Be a leader in your household and in your own community. But just say no. Dr. Sherry J. Tenpenny, ladies and gentlemen, Sherry, thank you so much for joining the program today. It's been a wonderful pleasure to have you on, and I look forward to inviting you back on the show. Um, thank you so much. And um, anyway, we we fight we fight together. Thank you. We do, and thanks for having me. And thanks for and to your guests, I'm, I apologize for missing your name, but keep up the good fight. And do what you need to do, homeopathy, detoxification, good food, staying away from sugar. Do all those amazing things to help get your children well. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. I just You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Sherry... J. Tenpenny. She's an osteopathic medical doctor, board certified in three medical specialties. You've just heard it. If you think for a second that a vaccine might impair or possibly damage Your child, put your doctor to task. Don't take the risk. Do not take the risk. If there is any doubt in your mind, do not take the risk. You have to stand up. You have to raise your voice. You have to fight this. That is the only way that we, the people, will and can make a change. We continue to be extremely fortunate on Winwood Radio and my program discussions by attracting the caliber of guest that we have just received. I thank you for listening, and I thank you for your support. And I also thank my guest, Karen, for coming into the studio today. Thank you very much. And folks, if you are in a similar position... To Karen, contact me. Together we fight. We raise our voice. This has been your show, your weekly edition of Discussions with the Entrachier. Next week, I will be back with Christopher Bolin, and we'll be shifting topics to terrorism. But terrorism didn't involve implosions. Keep that word in thought. Until then. Folks, be awesome.